Our first reading is from the book of the prophet Isaiah, chapter 9, verses 2 to 7, which can be found on page 694 of the Pew Bibles. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will will accomplish this. From the Gospel according to St. Matthew, reading chapter 1, verses 1 to 17, which can be found on page 964 of the Pew Bibles. I'm sorry, 965. This is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, Isaac, the father of Jacob. Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers, Judah the father of Peresh and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar, Peresh the father of Hezron, Hezron the father of Ram, Ram the father of Adminadab, Adminadab the father of Nashon, Nashon the father of Salmon, Salmon the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab, Boaz the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth, Obed the father of Jesse, and Jesse the father of King David. David was the father of Solomon, whose mother had been Uriah's wife. Solomon the father of Rehoboam, Rehoboam the father of Abijah, Abijah the father of Asa, Asa the father of Jehoshaphat, Jehoshaphat the father of Jehoram, Jehoram the father of Uzziah, Uzziah the father of Jotham, Jotham the father of Ahaz, Ahaz the father of Hezekiah, Hezekiah the father of Manasseh, Manasseh the father of Amon, Amon the father of Josiah, and Josiah the father of Jeconiah and his brothers at the time of the exile to Babylon. After the exile to Babylon, Jeconiah was the father of Shealtiel, Shealtiel the father of Zerubbabel, Zerubbabel the father of Abihud, Abihud the father of Eliakim, Eliakim the father of Azor, Azor the father of Zadok, Zadok the father of Achim, Achim the father of Elihud, Elihud the father of Eliatzah, Eliatzah the father of Mathan, Mathan the father of Jacob, 
and Jacob the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, and Mary was the mother of Jesus, who is called the Messiah. Thus there were 14 generations in all, from Abraham to David, 14 from David to the exile to Babylon, and 14 from the exile to the Messiah. When you think of Christmas, you think of a Christmas tree, and almost everyone loves a Christmas tree. For 500 years, Christians have been using Christmas trees to celebrate Jesus. I wonder if you've ever wondered, why would you have a Christmas tree? Perhaps that's why it took Christians 1,500 years of celebrating Christmas before the Germans... After the Reformation, the Protestants and Martin Luther decided that a Christmas tree with decorations was just the thing. But before that, before that, there had been the original Christmas tree. A family tree, Jesus' family tree. And this morning... Thank you to Greg, who just read a passage that the rest of us were all glad that we weren't reading. Matthew begins his fabulous, exciting and tragic biography of Jesus in the most boring way possible. A genealogy. Some people, of course, are quite keen on genealogies. They love to research their family tree. You look forward to your retirement where you'll have time to finally find out. Who was it who was famous in your family tree? Is there someone infamous in your family tree? Best of all, was someone on the first fleet a convict because they murdered someone in England? That would be gold, wouldn't it? Somehow we think that we will answer the question, who do you think you are by finding out our family tree? For some reason, it's always your family tree. No one has ever approached me, apart from people in my family, wanting to research and find out my family tree. Why is that? Why is it then that Matthew thinks it's really important, that Matthew thinks it is crucial, that Matthew risks losing his readers in the very first page by including Jesus' family tree. I think it is this, that on Jesus' family tree, we answer the question, who do you think Jesus is? Who does God think Jesus is? And I want us to particularly notice the decorations on the tree. We're on page 965. Please have it open. Firstly, Jesus is God's promised king who brings peace. You can start your story with a line like this. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. You can start your story with a revealing incident of the main character. You can even start your story with the climax and then work from the beginning. Matthew doesn't do that. He just states who Jesus is. Verse 1, 
This is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, son of David, son of Abraham. There is no mystery here, no clues that you piece together bit by bit. He simply declares Jesus is the Messiah. That means God's promised king. He says this is the genealogy. Literally, it says the record of the beginning. Here is a heading for the first two chapters, the infancy narrative, the Christmas story in Matthew's gospel. Jesus is the Messiah, God's promised king, the son of David. As you look through the genealogy, it's clear, isn't it, that David is not his father. You can tell because David is in verse 6 and Jesus doesn't come up to verse 16. But David is his significant ancestor, the gold in the family tree. From verse 6, the legal descent goes through the father even through Joseph, who is not the biological father of Jesus, the legal descent of Jesus from King David. King David, who God had chosen to be the king of his people. And when King David wanted to build a house for God, 2 Samuel chapter 7, God promised instead to build a house, a royal house for him, and that his son, David's son, would be God's son and would rule forever. And so from verse 6 onwards, as we read the genealogy, we are looking for someone, looking for a son, a son in the line of David who would rule on David's throne forever. It's like the who's who of the royal house of David. These people are kings. The Jews would realize that. And it goes all the way through to verse 11. Jeconiah and his brothers at the time of the exile to Babylon when the house of David, the royal house, came to an end. Jesus, we're being told, is a royal baby. But not all royal babies are worth celebrating or make any difference. I learned recently of John I of France. Have you heard of him? Neither had I. His father died when he was still in utero. They had to wait to see whether he was a boy or a girl to see whether he would be the next king. He was a boy. He is called John the Posthumous, for he died posthumously, who became king, rather. He reigned for a grand total of five days. Tragically, that was his entire life. He was completely ineffectual, did nothing whatsoever as king, and brought no good news to his people. Jesus is not like that. Matthew wants us to know. For God made a promise, Greg read it for us this morning, a promise that someone in the line of David would bring peace. Let me read it to you again, Isaiah chapter 9, coming up on the screen. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the greatness of his government and peace, There will be no end. On those living in darkness, there will be a great light. Here is no ineffectual, 
short-lived baby from history. There is a baby coming, a king who is coming, who will bring peace, a peace that will last. Here is the king who you must submit to now, or he will come to you like a thief in the night. And in the world of Ukraine and Gaza, of car accidents and cancer, this family tree of this man is definitely good news for us. But who is it for, really? The whole point of a family tree is that someone is related to some people and not to others. It includes and excludes. Jesus is the son of David, the king of the Jews, but only of the Jews. And every man in this family tree is Jewish. And most of us are not. Does he bring peace for us? Point two, Jesus is God's promised king who brings peace for all peoples. The very point of this genealogy is that Jesus is Jewish. But in verse 1, the record of the beginnings of Jesus the Messiah, it's an echo of Genesis chapter 2, those very words in the Greek Old Testament, the record of the beginnings. And in Genesis 2, the end of the sentence, the record of the beginnings of the heavens and the earth. And God proceeds to make man and woman. It could not be more universal. And here in Matthew chapter 1, he's the son of David, verse 1, and the son of Abraham, the beginning of the Jewish race, yes. But God promised to Abraham, chapter 12, I'll make you into a great nation, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed. And so from verse 2, the son of Abraham, we are looking for someone looking for the offspring through him, through whom all nations will be blessed. There are the big names, Isaac, Jacob, Judah, and his 11 brothers. Surprisingly, did you notice, there are women. Now, if you know anything about biology, this is not a surprise to you. There does need to be women in family trees. But in Jewish genealogies of the first century and before, there were not women. The family line is traced through the men. And yet, four times, like the decorations on the family tree, there are four women. Tamar, Rahab, Ruth, and the mother of Solomon. What is Matthew showing us? He is God's king who brings peace for men and women. But why these women? Clearly, every generation, there was a woman involved. Why did he pick these ones? Well, two of them at least, Rahab, she's a Canaanite. She's from Jericho, you might know. Ruth, we saw this year, she is a Moabite descended from Lot and his daughters. These are Gentile Women. Here is the paradox of the genealogy. 
The very fact that Jesus is Jewish makes him a son of Abraham. And the very fact that he is the son of Abraham means he is the heir to the promise to bless all peoples. And Matthew shows us that by including Gentiles in the genealogy. Jesus is God's promised king who brings peace for all peoples. When I was a teenager, there were some pop stars who discovered there was a famine happening in Africa. They put on a rock concert, Live Aid. They released a song to raise money. The song was called, Do They Know It's Christmas Time At All? The idea was that famine was so bad that in Africa they might not even know they should have a Christmas tree. They should have a Christmas dinner and they should give presents. You can get the idea. But honestly, would they have known it was Christmas anyway? Do people all around the world celebrate Christmas? Now, some of you here this morning grew up not celebrating Christmas, I assume. In fact, perhaps you'd never even heard of Christmas as a child. We tend to think that Christmas is a Western celebration. We tend to think that Jesus is a Western Messiah. But Jesus clearly here is not Western, is he? He is Middle Eastern. He is Jewish. And that is such good news because God promised that through Abraham's descendants he would bless all peoples. Whether you've grown up celebrating Christmas or never heard of it. Whether you like traditional Christmas songs or you really can't stand them. Whether you like Christmas trees or not. This Messiah is for all people, and this is really good news for our church family, I think. We have different traditions, different music, but there is a level playing field. In God's church, there are no genealogies anymore. There are no nationalities that matter anymore. And there are many cultures, of course, but together... We are blessed by God's Messiah. Jesus is God's promised King who brings peace for all peoples. And in a world of division and pretend superficial unity, that makes this family tree definitely very good news for us. But finally, even if it's for all people, if he is for all peoples, Is he really for me personally? And how does he bring this peace? Point three, Jesus is God's promised king who brings peace for all peoples by saving sinners. Verse one again, this is the record of the beginning of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. In Genesis two, this is the record of the beginning of the heavens and the earth. But in Genesis five, It says, this is the record of the beginnings of Adam's family line. And the genealogy that it gives of Adam's family line is terribly depressing. After each person, it has this phrase, and he died. Through Adam came sin, and through sin came death. Thankfully, Matthew does not highlight that in this family tree. But he does highlight sin. It's there front and centre on the tree. 
Abraham, who refused to trust God and endangered his wife's life by lying about her. Jacob, who deceived his father. King Ahaz and King Manasseh, who are plain awful. And these particular four decorations on the tree, the women, it's unusual for them to be there. It's gratuitous for them to be there. And they are not just Gentiles, some of them. These ladies are definitely shady. Have a look there. Verse 3. Tamar. She dressed up as a prostitute to entice her father-in-law Judah to sleep with her. Rahab, a little further down, was actually a prostitute. But these two shady ladies actually point back at the men who abused them. The only reason Tamar dressed up as a prostitute was because her father-in-law refused to give her a son as the law required. And then her father-in-law paid to sleep with her because he thought she was prostitute there's the mother of solomon did you notice verse 6 whose mother had been uriah's wife it's not that uriah left her or that uriah had died she was uriah's wife when solomon was conceived david saw her he took her and then he murdered her husband These are shady ladies, but they are evil men. I think this is what would be called skeletons in your closet. Have you heard that expression? Skeletons in your closet. An undisclosed fact about someone which, if revealed, would damage perceptions of the person. They could be in your family tree. Someone who was not really up to scratch, who you'd rather other people didn't know about. Today, that is fashionable. You want to look for a convict, someone who was on the first fleet. But do you think that was fashionable in the first century? That you would definitely put that on your family tree? No, I don't think so. Look at verse 19. When Joseph discovers that Mary is pregnant, he has in mind, knowing that the baby is not his coming to a certain conclusion, to not expose her to public disgrace, he has in mind to divorce her quietly. You do not put these things front and centre. And yet at a time when it was not normal to include women, or sin and shame and disgrace, Matthew puts them right at the front. First page of the biography He brings out the skeletons in the closet and says, here they are. Why would he do that? What is it about Jesus that Matthew wants us to know? He tells us in verse 21, the angel tells us, she will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus. Why? Because he will save his people from their sins. Sins. Jesus is the son of David, a royal baby. He's the son of Abraham, come for all peoples, and he is the son of sinners, come to save sinners. 
And in a world where we tell children to be good for goodness sake because the central figure of Christmas knows whether they're good or bad, where Jesus is seen as a moral teacher, where Christianity is seen to bring out-of-date moral values, where we all know the shame of our own past and our own hearts, but we cover it up. It is so good that Jesus' family tree is full of sinners. Rather than hide the skeletons in the closet, Matthew hangs them on the tree like a wreath on the front door of Jesus' life. Jesus is the promised king who brings peace to all people, even to sinners like you and me. I wonder what are the skeletons in your closet, in your family tree, in your past, and in your heart. Jesus knows them too. And he came to save you and me from all of them. This family tree is definitely good news for me and for you. Family history is not really something that I'm particularly interested in, to be honest. In my mind, there is only one family history book worth reading. And I can't understand why it has not had more sales. It's coming up on the screen. St. Stephen's Church at Currajong, a group of ladies who are very keen on family history, spent years researching the parish registers, the records of the baptisms and marriages and funerals. And they even put a picture of our house on the front. Why is it worth reading? Not because I was baptised there, not because I was married there, and you'll be pleased to know, not because I was buried there. But they did put my house on the front. And they asked me to write the foreword for the edition, and they even put in my picture. What is it that makes a family history worth getting excited about? about it's when you are in it and when you benefit from it jesus is god's promised king who brings peace for all peoples by saving sinners and that is very good news for me and for you let's pray our heavenly father we thank you for this surprisingly exciting start to Matthew's biography of Jesus. We thank you that Jesus is your promised king. Come to bring peace for us at last. Come for all peoples. And come to save sinners like us. Father, help us to see ourselves in this tree that we might rejoice. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.